This is exactly right. Gals and non-binary pals, welcome to a mini-sode of Bananas. That's Scotty Landis. That's Kurt Brownoller, just the funniest guy you could ever meet. And these are your stories. Our mini-sodes on Stitcher are your stories. We add our stories, but these are all real, and all they're real. all funny. And thank you to everybody who's been sending them in. We got a uh, an avalanche of them after one of our last podcasts, so thanks so much. Yeah, it was really great. It's also just fun to... He read everybody's stories. You know, it's just like yep. you just get a little bit. Sometimes it's just like this is the the weirdest little corner of the world that this person is from, and I love that. It's very, it's very. I, cool. I do too. And unlike the main podcast, where normally stories just kind of pop up because you know Kurt and I don't plan ahead, we don't tell each other each other's stories. These are fun because we have a little time to think, and it's fun to go. What do I have in common with this absolutely insane story? And it's kind of nice to lay there for ten minutes and go down memory lane and be like, oh, yeah, that yeah. did happen to me. Yeah. It's um, wonderful. Well, do you want to start, Scotty? Sure, I could start one off. We had one DM to the Bananas Podcast at Instagram from Caitlin G. Phillips. Thank you very much. Uh, she is a she, her, and she has a gluten-free restaurant, apparently. So that's a very good Sweet. profile. My son would love to eat there. Absolutely. Okay, what's up? My name's Caitlin. I'm 21, and I have a story for you. My family and I were on vacation in Mexico, and my 16-year-old brother and I were sharing a pair of conjoining rooms. And my 19-year-old brother and my parents were in the other set of rooms. <laughs> I, was, so, I swore. I was just like, I thought they'd be sharing a conjoining set of pants for some a conjoining pair of pants. <laughs> anyway, all right. When in Mexico, <laughs> anything goes. Anything goes. Um, so 19-year-old brother and parents were in the other set of rooms. Mm -hmm. We went to bed around 10. But because I have insomnia, I was still up around 1 a.m. when I heard a noise and got up to investigate. I follow the noise into my little brother's room and see a shirtless man standing beside my brother's bed, oh. staring out the window. Oh. Creepy, right? Yeah. Not good. No. You don't like people where they're not supposed to be. It's terrifying. It took me a moment to realize it was definitely not either of my brothers, but just some random kid in his 20s. I stared at him for probably a full minute in silence, literally just thinking, what the fuck? He was about three feet away from my sleeping brother, and I start talking to him, and I discover that this kid is clearly shit-faced. I should mention that I was sorority president for a year, so have way too much experience <laughs> dealing with drunk people. I mean, that is on-the-job training. The, and Absolutely. also, but I mean, like, way to keep your shit together this is amazing yeah very caitlin is calm a yeah. lot of people would have screamed and run out of the room oh yeah or just thrown a knife at him <laughs> just pick up the closest knife and throw it at him <laughs> leave a knife on every hard surface and flat surface in every hotel room you stay that's in. my plan that's why, that's why i travel with 12 knives <laughs> tsa be damned i told him you were in the wrong room to which he replied quote what's with it 
<laughs> that is such a good drunk thing to say. What's with it? I mean, like the like the sentence doesn't make sense. It's not a response to the statement. I love all of it. What's with it? I asked his name, which he said was Kevin. Okay, so we're getting somewhere. And then I asked his room number, which he said eight two nine three six zero five. You know those those uh, hotels that have eight million two hundred ninety three thousand rooms. Clearly not a room number, Caitlin says. Eventually, I got my brother to wake up as Kevin was wandering around our room, going through my brother's suitcase and grabbing my driver's license. And then he made himself very comfortable on our couch (laughs) in his wet swimsuit, I should add. Oh, man. Oh, no. At, At one point... He turns to us and says, listen, guys, I'm really fucking drunk. <laughs> to, which, <laughs> to which we both reply, yes, we know. We finally get him out of our room and into the hall. But it's this open-air hotel with not-so-sturdy railings, and we did not want to be tangentially responsible for mysterious death. Good sentence, Caitlin. Oh, wow, yeah. That's mm-hmm. good writing. Wherever your sorority was has a good English department. Um, so we followed Kevin around until hotel security arrived. During that time, Kevin stuck his hand in the closing elevator doors and tried to run away from us by pointing in the opposite direction he was walking and then called us, quote, so fucking fake. <laughs> I think that's my favorite line of the whole thing. Just, he's you guys just, are so fake. He's just, he's just having blind reactions, like not understanding a damn thing. It's amazing yes. what alcohol does to the brain. It's so it crazy. Is. He's like a goldfish. He's just yes. like turning and the world is new and they turn the other way and the world is new. But I love pointing in the other direction and then running and it just doesn't work. So I managed to snap a few pictures of him in the hallway. We won't be posting these, Caitlin, just because it's some guy and we're not going to do that. But she sent the pictures and he's a shirtless guy in a swimsuit, very drunk, kind of posing for some of them, but also some are him just hurrying away. (laughs) They're just him hurrying down the hallway. So um, eventually security arrived and we didn't know what happened to Kevin after that. We all go back to our rooms. A few days later... Oh, my God. I can't believe there's an epilogue. I cannot there's believe an epilogue. this. A few days later, my family was heading out to dinner, and on the way to the elevator, I spotted a familiar face. Wow. Not super concerned for Kevin's dignity at this point, I grabbed my brother's arm and pointed at him and yelled, Oh, my God, that's him. Kevin briefly turned, looked at us, and said, Yeah, sorry about that, and then just walked away. <laughs> Here he is, lovely and shit-faced, the Kevin himself. So happy you liked it. Huge fan of the podcast, Caitlin. Ah, oh, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Kevin was on vacation. Yeah, he really was in many ways. He was on vacation from his mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And it's fun. Like, it's fun to test those boundaries and stuff when you're young. And then there's also a point where you're like, I wonder how much stuff that guy missed out on either being blackout yeah. or so violently hung over over the next couple of days. That's just a... Lay by the pool type of vacation. Mm-hmm. Oh man, pretty good. I was uh, in Brooklyn one night, and there were two guys there who were in their late twenties, early thirties, who had never uh, consumed alcohol before. What? How did? Like, how did you? They were find straight edge. Oh. They were friends of friends. Okay, and they were like, "This guy just started drinking beer last week." Whoa! Uh, and we were like, ne- "Cool." It's never going to go well. 
Oh, I know. And in like late twenties, thirties, it's just that thing where the floodgates open and and everybody gets to witness a hurricane. And also, yeah, because also in Brooklyn at the time, if you're like, if you're thirty, everyone's been drinking heavily for ten years. (laughs) Yeah, at least you know maybe twelve years. So if you're trying to keep up with just people you see around you, it's not going to go well. That is the perfect segue to this story because that's exactly what happened. So. I brought, or my friend Rusty, who we waited tables together in Pensacola, our restaurant sold more Rumplemans, which for those who oh don't boy. know, it's 100 proof peppermint liqueur. Uh, I think it used to be made in Germany. I think now it's made somewhere in the States, but it's, it's 100 proof. You I can, mean, it's 50% alcohol. You can blow fire with it. Yes, it is a true butt kicker. It tastes great, makes your breath smell good, uh, but it is not for the faint of liver. So I, this guy sits down next to me, and all my friends are sitting in a circle in like very uncomfortable uh, old Brooklyn uh, outdoor chairs in this little backyard area. And there's about eight of us, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, it's true. Like, just start drinking. It's pretty fun so far. Like, I threw up the other night, and like, okay." And I was like, "Well, you really want to try something? You got a dog bowl rumple." And he's like, what's that? <laughs> I was like, oh, watch. So we go in the house and we get a metal bowl and fill it with ice and then pour the entire bottle of Rumplemints in it. Oh, my So like God. a big salad bowl. Oh, and then no. I come out and I'm like, this is dog bowling Rumple. And so I sip it and then I pass it. And then all my friends, thank God, it was Bryce and Doyle and Rusty, all these friends that I, old buddies, they just jump on board instantly. And they're like, are you dog bowling that Rumple? Wait, <laughs> you, wait you complete, you made up dog bowling Rumple? Yeah, I just made it up on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Because so there, you do, were, there are like fish bowls. You can get fish bowls. And, sure. You know, like, I love dog bowl and rug bowl. Okay. Well, it wasn't cold when we got the bottle. So I knew and it's not good warm. So I was like, I got to put it on ice. Yeah. And then so I was like, well, let's just jump two steps. So there were a couple ladies with us that were just like wine drinkers. And they were like, no, thanks. Yeah. Smoking cigarette, being tragically hip. Didn't want in. Um, and then the whole party starts gathering around us. These eight chairs of people, including this guy who's never had drinks before. And then two of my friends who are sort of lightweights. Are, we're just going, hey, Kurt, dog bowl that rumple. And then you take a big sip of it and you pass it on, almost like in church or something. Oh, my God. The pre-quarantine <laughs> days were amazing. You could dog bowl yes. some rumple at a party, not worry at all. <laughs> so we pass this bowl, and then all the tragically hip kids get in because we're having more fun. And mm-hmm. that's the real takeaway is like yeah. if you're having the most fun, even the kids that are too cool for school will get on board. And at some point, this kid uh, is—he t- takes over. He becomes like the master of ceremonies, where he's pointing at people and yelling, "You dog bowl that rumple!" <laughs> <laughs> See, and then as he, as the bowl keeps going around, everybody's doing half a shot or you know a shot's worth or whatever. My girlfriend at the time wasn't a huge drinker. She's annihilated next to me. Uh, the girls that were smoking, drinking wine, are now like wearing each other's clothes and sunglasses <laughs> like crooked. It was an absolute like freak show. <laughs> <laughs> and so we finally finish it, and I noticed that in the circle, one person that was there was our friend Kirby, who doesn't drink at all, mm-hmm. to completely sober, had w- uh, witnessed the entire thing of us dog bowling. <laughs> Two of the guys passed out. We carried them and put them in bed and made them spoon each other, fully clothed and everything. <laughs> but they were so drunk on Rumplemans, we were like, let's put these two to bed on their sides. And then they looked so cute, we just laid them together. <laughs> and then I moved to L.A., and as a housewarming gift, I get a box in the mail like two months after I move here, probably a year after we were all dog bowling Rumple, and Kirby had sent me a custom metal dog bowl that says 
dog bowl that rumple on it. Are you kidding me? Do you still have yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my god. All, I keep it on my deck, and like every once in a while, when I throw like big Halloween parties or stuff, I'll fill it up, and we'll start dog bowl and rumple. But uh. guys, if you're vaccinated and you're with your friends, dog bowl that rumple, <laughs> but be careful. Don't drive. Don't drive. I love Whatever you that do. So, so much. Oh, I can't wait until you have a party again. We've, ta- we've talked about we've talked about the pants party, right? On this, we talked about the pants cutting party. We did. Right. Yeah, All I right. think other people are going to start taking that up, and maybe this New Year's I'll do a pants cutter. Oh, that would be amazing. Yes. Um, All right, you ready for one? I love when you tell me banana stories. Here we go. This okay. is uh, emailed. To the bananas podcast at gmail.com. I love that. I love that Gmail. Oh, it's a great one here. Uh, sent in by Terry Stone. Uh, Terry says, uh, "This hey guys, this is one of my favorite personal stories, and I thought it would be perfect for a mini sode in high school. I was part of a clown troupe. I'm already. I'm already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good start. My clown name was Daisy May, and her character was a total country bumpkin. Sounds perfect. Love her. Uh, We would perform shows for area elementary schools, pre-K, and even nursing homes. My friend April, clown name Goldie. I am excited that we're getting clown names. Yeah. I could just hear clown names. Yeah. (laughs) And I would also do kids' birthday parties on the side for a bit of extra cash. So... We got hired to do a birthday party for a little girl about four or five years old. Party was in the first floor of a church, and you entered at ground level through a side door. We drove up to the church, two 16-year-olds already in full clown gear, and make our way inside for the party of 10 or so kids with their parents. Okay. What could go wrong? I love a party for a four-year-old in a church. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. As soon as we stepped inside... The birthday girl took one look at us and began hysterically crying. The type Understandable. of crying where she couldn't even catch her breath. She cried so hard that she threw up onto her father's lap as he held his hands out in a feeble attempt to catch the vomit. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> April and I are standing there trying not to look as freaked out as we are as I whisper to her, what the fuck do we do now? Nowhere was this covered in our clown training. The birthday girl had to be removed from the party while we performed our skits. As we were winding things down, she had recovered enough to be brought back into the room, but still would not come within 15 feet of us. So somewhere out there is an adult woman with a crippling fear of clowns, (laughs) and I get to take credit for that. Hot tip for parents, before you hire a clown for your child's birthday, make sure the kid is not deathly afraid of them. Hope you enjoyed the story. I love the podcast. Wish you continued success. P.S. I've included a pic of our little clown troop. I love that. And it is, they are, they're like, they're 15 years old and they're dressed as clowns. They are adorable. The idea yes. that these adorable children would be making other children vomit is very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And the only scary thing about clowns, the older you get, like a 15 year old clown, great. College age in. clown. Oh, exactly. Great. 100%. Young clowns, we're all for young clowns. It's a great Halloween costume. It's very fun. It's festive. The scary thing about clowns are the people over 25 that are clowns. That's when yes. you start going, if you're not in Cirque du Soleil or a paid performer regularly, what are you so into? But also, do what you got to do in this world. If that's what makes you happy, we're not. We're not saying don't do it. We're just saying that's why it's scary. We're not clown shaming. We're not, not here to clown shame. You want to be we a clown? We would never. We're down with that. Life is silly. Be a clown. But realize that some children 
might be scared. And many adults, even. <laughs> but we love Natalie Palomides. We, we love Courtney Peroso. We love the modern clowns. We love modern clowns. We love Red Bastard. Oh, yeah. Now, but. But. <laughs> <laughs> younger clowns are better, is what we're saying. <laughs> we like younger clowns more. Um, so I remember. Th- what I'm fascinated by this story is that, like, it- it's the... It's it's fascinating as a performer mm-hmm. how much work the theater or the performance space does for you as a performer. Because okay. what I'm amazed at is these these fifteen year old girls being able to like still have still perform after like yeah. walking into a ten person child birthday party and the the, the bear, birthday girl vomits and yeah. then they still got to do their fifteen minutes of sketches or whatever. Oh boy, that's so true. And it's so because I've done a lot of private gigs, you know, as a stand up. Oh, and and especially even during the Great Quar, like starting doing stand up where you're just staring at a computer was I don't just know like how you guys did it. It, it just was rough, it man. like broke your soul. Yeah, it was emotionally draining. It was not fun. Um, and you realize like how much work the the theater or the or the club does in like just oh, establishing yeah. like this is I'm a performer and you are an audience and that's yes. our roles for this next hour and let's yes. like do that right now. But when Absolutely. it's just in a random space, the uncomfortability and the strangeness of the artifice of performance is like put on yes. display. You know, yes. it's just like all of the weird stuff that is not existent when you're in the right environment is like like why are you yelling at us? <laughs> it like yeah. we're just like we're just right here. Um is it weird for you? You've done millions of stand-up shows and this is something I think about a lot especially when I see people do it. Is it weird for you when you have to do stand-up without a microphone? Yeah, it used to be. It really I still do like a mic. I do enjoy a mic. Yeah. Um and it might just be a, honestly a, a a a clutch, not a clutch. A crutch? Yes, <laughs> a crutch. <laughs> well, well, you're clutching it pretty hard, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. It might just be a crutch. It seems hard. It's, I asked Nikki Glazer one time. I was like, "How do you know if a comic's a good comic? Like, how do you know if somebody's going to be good?" Uh-huh. She goes, "If when they come on stage and take the mic out of the stand, if they put the mic stand behind them." Yeah. Instead of just standing directly next to it. So for all our little aspiring animal comics out there, move that mic stand behind you. But yeah, whenever I see comics without mics, they're the material's the same. But they're like, you know, sometimes like a backyard show yeah. or something. It always feels weird for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at that. You're hearing my dog bark because I'm never inside. I'm inside for Proofy this one. Dog. There's Zelda. Zelda. Stop, dog. stop barking. All right. Here we go. Here so, we go. Uh, Kristen Shaw and I, early, early in our career, yes. uh, we had, you know, we had a double act. Uh, Kristen and Kurt. Or Kurt and Kristen. I can't remember which it was called. Kurt and Kristen. And yeah. uh, Zelda, please, honey. Zelda, please. Not now, Foofy. You're all right. You're okay. It's like literally a serial killer's outside, and you're like, stop it, please. <laughs> so we get hired to do a corporate gig, and this is our first like corporate private gig. Yeah. Set up by like a person who was like a producer in the alt comedy scene, knew what we did and who we were, um, <laughs> oh, and didn't give us any like guidelines or like oh, you know keep it clean mm-hmm. or whatever like that. Yeah, and we're like, okay, cool. We show up, 
and uh, and it was like money. It was like the first, like it was good money for like what a feeling thirty minute show. Ugh. We arrive, and it's in an office building, and we're like, oh, is there a theater in this office building? Uh, and we like take the uh, elevator up, and we yep. get up to like the twelfth or thirteenth floor, and walk in, and then it's just in a conference room. And I and and but the conference room on one side has oh god, it just has like a step up. Do you know what okay. I mean? Better than nothing, and, maybe. I, I guess it's better than nothing. So technically, they're like, well, this is our theater room. And so then it's a long, uh, like oblong uh, table oh. in the middle. And then in comes the audience. It is just 12, like, uh, like vice presidents of this company. Why? Why do they do this? Why? Why do, why? Why do people plan this in corporations? It's hell. It's hell. It's hell. It's hell for everyone involved. Yes. It's never going to be... It, like, if you're planning a private comedy gig, you have to create a, a theater space. You have to have a stage and lights and microphone and seats so that we just signify what's happening here because otherwise it's just one human being being crazy in front of other human beings. Yes, God. Um, so then we're like, all right, here we go. And we launch into our first sketch... Um, you know, and the way we, we, we was like presentational where we would like talk to the audience and then like kind of go into a world and then come no. back out and no. talk to the audience again. We start doing our first sketch. Um, and, uh, about midway through yes. our first sketch and our first sketch is pretty dirty. It definitely like, there's like phone sex involved with historical characters. Yes. I remember this uh, one. Where Kristen's character starts to like pretend to eat i guess the other character's dick anyway mm-hmm. um we were we were young and classic comedy it's a good it was a good bit though it was a good it was very funny but uh and then halfway through five minutes in to a 30 minute show the woman who is like i think the president like the head person who's closest to where we're performing oh god at normal volume just goes oh no this is horrible <laughs> <laughs> like she was she was just expressing the things she realized in that moment yeah uh and then we just had to then continue to perform for 25 more yes. minutes after that moment and it was the whole like once oh, the president says this is horrible then it's like no one's gonna laugh do you know what i no. mean also, were they drinking? Were they like, it, no. or were they just standing? Were they seated? It's six like, p.m. Ev- they just came yeah. from fucking work. Whoever plans these things, and it's like performers take it because the month, like you said, money. It's a paid gig, and you have a story later. But that I'm sweating. You when you were building up to this, I just started because it's like, oh my gosh, that tension. Yeah. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> she was so. It was so earnest. Do you know what I mean? Like, she didn't mean to, like, insult us. She was just, <laughs> like, having a realization that it happened to be out loud. Yeah. There's club comedy. And then when you really the crew that we came up with in New York was alt comedy, like alternative comedy, a lot of people yeah. would always be like, what is that? What does that mean? And what you just described is the difference. <laughs> if one night they did at Caroline's in Times Square, they did, like, an alt comedy night, kind of like the old Hot Tub mm-hmm. or any of those shows. And I watched the entire place empty out. 
I watch everybody would watch act after act of Reggie Watts, Kristen, yeah. all these people, uh, Leo Allen, and family by family or group by group, table by table, did not understand what they were looking at <laughs> and left. And the only person that killed that night was Chelsea Peretti because Chelsea could play both types of rooms. Right, so right, she just right. did stand up. Yeah. But it was like that is the definition of if the average person does not only not understand what you're doing and why it's funny, <laughs> but hates it. <laughs> yes, but hates it more. <laughs> that's alternative comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. God, that's so funny, man. Uh, well, we did it, Scott. It's another Minnesota in the books. Uh, folks, uh, if you like the show, go rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It, it, it means a lot to us. And thank you to everybody who's sending your stories in. We, we really appreciate it. We love it. Thank you, Kate Levine, our producer. Thank, thank you, Lisa Magid, our intern. And thank you to our benevolent overlords, Karen and Georgia. This has been a Bananas Minisode with Kurt Browner and Scotty Landis. Bananas. Bananas. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. 